This is a tense one. Last of the ninth inning. Right hand hitter with good power. Swishing the bat through. Now Cox. Now the pitch. Way outside. And the count goes full now. Welcome to the BBA Today, your podcast that covers events around the Brewster Baseball Association every day with your host, Yellow Springs 9 General Manager, Ron Collins. And now, let's get on with the show. Hey, it is October here on the BBA Today, which first off means that it is playoff time and second off means as as my cohort today has reminded me that it, that all things need to be relative if you're a Yellow Springs fan. Uh, today I have Randy Wigand, the general manager of the San Fernando Bears with me, and we're going to walk through the Gahagan round uh, playoffs for the... Playoffs? The playoffs. We're talking about playoffs? <laughs> well, you know, the, the Bears need to be able to talk about the playoffs since they aren't actually in them. There is no version of the Bears that does well in the playoffs, no matter the sport or the year or the season. Well, I don't know. Last <laughs> I saw, there was a there was a, a little yellow trophy or so on your uh, on your forum mantle, and there aren't any on the Yellow Springs mantle. So I think that uh, notice, notice I said the Bears. That trophy <laughs> is the Sugar Canes trophy. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> You're going to start to parse things like this already. Early early in the podcast, I know I have met my match. <laughs> well, we to have be fair, uh, you're just to be fair, you're just waking up. I've been up all day, so. There you go. One could say that I've been asleep for, you know, at least 50 years, but that's another uh, another story <laughs> altogether. <laughs> <laughs> we had a really exciting round as the uh, last week of the uh, last week of the season, and it has resulted in a couple of interesting um, surprise uh, in a at least one surprise match here, where Mexico City has uh, won out over Las Vegas and Phoenix, and managed to push both uh, a very good Atlantic City team. And a uh, Montreal team that was hanging on on fumes out of the playoffs, and they're going to meet Rockville in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, let's talk about that matchup for just a little bit, Randy. What are your what are your kind of high level thoughts uh, when you look at these two teams, and what are you expecting as we look through the um, through into the Gahagan uh, series? Well, first off, can we just note that in the last time I talked to you, or, or was on a podcast in midseason when we were talking about should Rockville sell everybody because they're not doing well and they're not going to make the playoffs, and then they win 90 games and come in second place in the division. So yeah, and get the top wild card spot. So yeah, I'm thinking we the know everything. That, I'm, I'm thinking that the answer to that <laughs> question was as, as a solid no. <laughs> yes, it would seem so. But Rockville had, I mean. Rockville has the three horsemen, and with that pitching, with Cannon, Martin, and Dempster, I don't know what order he's going to throw them in, but it really doesn't matter because they're three of probably the top six, seven pitchers in the in the Johnson. I mean, it, I'm pretty sure you're going to see at least two of those guys on everyone's uh, Nebraska ballot this year. So that's a awfully – uh, nice one, two, three to toss out in the playoffs. Yeah, it is a really nice one, two, three to to uh, throw out there. Plus, at this point, um, 
looking at the records, Dave Martin, I think, is like 5-0, and 4-0 in his last... Uh, um, I mean, he's kind of a hot pitcher right now. Uh, but both of these teams are interesting in the sense that they are both, uh, I call it pitching leaning. You know, they, they have similar run differentials. Um, neither one of them have dominating offenses. Uh, the Mexico City pitching staff seems to have also hit a fairly hot streak uh, with Pendleton and Rocha in particular, um, pitching well in September. It's going to be, uh, I, I do think that it kind of comes down to that question of, are, is, is this like the last ride of the three horsemen um, this year, maybe next year at the best? Uh, those guys are starting to get a little bit uh, long in the tooth. Um, so what are, uh, what are your thoughts there if you look at the Pendleton-Rocha fam matchup, can they actually match up with Martin Dempster Cannon right now, or are they just kind of blown out of the water? I think they, I don't think they're necessarily blown out of the water, but I think they're probably a tick behind at each spot. I mean, they match up better than a lot of teams would. I'd be curious to see if Fred is going to actually let stretch those guys out and let them go. Or if he's going to do his, I know he is uh, not afraid of doing short rotation, short pitch counts and pulling his guys, but I don't know if that's quite the way to go in the playoffs. If you can, if you I mean he's got the horses, I say turn him loose and let him go. But go. we'll have to see because he's got Ine too, who's, I mean, he could go yep. one through four. That is so, true. And whereas I think Rockville, I'd have to look, but I'm pretty sure their four is a little bit, uh, yeah, they're. They're on their last one. I see they only have four starters listed, and the fourth one is a uh, Dwight Dunn, who is well average at best. Yeah, I don't think you're going to see anybody but uh, Cannon, Dempster, and Martin in the playoffs for no. the uh, Pikemen at this stage. I think they pretty much, uh, my impression well, is they pretty with. much staked their their uh, fates on those three arms and they've got enough offense um, uh, to back them up, especially in that ballpark. They, they, have, they are a team. Uh, Aaron has done a lot of what Ted kind of used to do, right? They've got a ballpark that limits runs, and they have made their meat and potatoes off of putting outstanding pitchers into that ballpark. Um, and so I, I expect more of the same here. Uh, what are your thoughts? I think a, a potential key to that series for me is how Danny Leach performs out of the bullpen for Rockville kids only 22, but he's got all the talent in the world. And they, I mean, if, if, if they do get, if Mexico city does get to one of the starters early, it's going to have to be a guy like Leach that steps up and kind of holds the fort because their lawn relief and middle relief guys are not good. They're great. Once you get to the seven, eight, nine innings with the back end of the bullpen, but they're not great, even relative to most teams don't have great middle relief, long relief guys. There's a reason they're in those spots, but Rockville's a little more worse off than most, it seems like, in that regard. There you go. So let me ask, um, uh, prediction time, will Mexico City get to one or two of these starters early and get into the middle bullpen, or do you see Rockville um, taking Mexico City down? What's what's your projection well, for this? I- Matchup. I was one of I was one of two people to vote for Mexico City. I think they do it in five. 
There you go. Next because I think five. the issue is with the short rest on those older starting pitchers, I'm not sure. I think they could do it in their younger days. I don't know if they could do it these days because they're getting up there a little bit. Yeah, I think that is actually uh, the most intriguing aspect of this um, of this matchup and this go around for Rockville is exactly how much gas do these uh, three guys have in their uh, left in the tank, and can they keep going on a three man rotation? Uh, your point is well, well made. The the um, the current pulling out on the forum is pretty strong on Rockville <laughs> though, uh, at eleven to two. Um, Obviously, those polls are still open, but uh, the the early wave is pretty strong, saying Rockville is the that Rockville is the uh, provisional favorite by a pretty wide margin, by about a five to one ratio. And we are going, uh, you are going against that with Mexico City in five games. So there's a uh, there's kind of a ballsy pick right out of the gate. Then, yep. Although I do, uh, I'm going to counter my own point. There's few better places to have a three-man rotation than Mexico City, where you can have a rainout. Who knows? You can probably, you can maybe only pitch the same guy in back-to-back games. <laughs> that is true, but then you got to play three games all in the same day. <laughs> well, you know, play a triple header, you know. Ernie right. Banks approves. There you go. Uh, I will say that right now a, a uncertain uh, aspect in Mexico City's favor is obviously they are an extremely hot team having one out to make it here. So we'll see whether that momentum goes on. Let's stay inside the Johnson League now and move to the Boise and New Orleans matchup, which is quite a uh, uh, quite an intriguing one. Those teams are 4-4 four and four against each other on the regular season. Um to me, it almost seems like a um, kind of a team built on superstars versus kind of a more of a lunch pail team. If you look at their offense in particular, uh, Boise having the Roman and French kind of uh, led by the big players. Uh, New Orleans offense is a bunch of kind of no names who just get the job done. Um if you look at our well, Jared Gilstrom is Jared Gilstrom is offended that he's considered a no name these days. Well, I was going to say it's really a, a Jared Gilstrom <laughs> and the unknowns, right? It's actually one of my notes. That New Orleans is Gerald Gilstrom and the unknowns. <laughs> and Gilstrom, because Gilstrom Gilstrom can't field these days, but he can still hit. That is true, and and he's going to need to, I think, uh, against the uh, Boise Ball Club. Uh, Boise yeah. is definitely an offensive minded baseball team with 905 runs against 835 given their pitching staff I don't think is as strong as some others uh, but that offense is pretty stout uh, so what are your thoughts when you look at Boise and New Orleans uh, well Boise is a team after my own heart because that's pretty much how I built my teams pound everybody into the ground and get just enough pitching to get by um, it can be successful I think I showed that a few times you build around some offensive stars and then get one or two pitchers that can win you some playoff games and you can win a few rounds, but it'll be interesting. I do think that uh, Boise will take this one. Um, I think they'll probably do it in four. Um, I just, I have a, I have a good feeling, especially with Jim Armstrong being out for new Orleans. That's going to be a problem for them. I know he's been out for a while now, but that's even more of a killer come playoff time. Yeah, definitely. It's um, 
that will definitely hurt. On the other hand, Christian Garcia and Jerry Pacey are pretty strong, and they match up against uh, Julio Alisea and probably what Pancho Herman um, would be the probably. be the Boise one too. Um, the number threes are interesting. Uh, New Orleans definitely has in in Lacerda. I think their closer is really super strong. They may be kind of in the same situation as. Um, they haven't really looked at their middle relief uh, too much, so I'm not sure where they're at there. They, they really, looking at it, they really don't have much in that pen except for Lacerda. There you go. So at the end of the day, I think uh, that question of whether uh, New Orleans can hang with Boise maybe depends on exactly how far, how much they can get out of Garcia and Pacey. Uh, because it seems to me like if you let the superstar-driven lineup out of Boise get into a soft middle uh, uh, middle relief area, then they're in some trouble. But if Garcia and Pacey can get into the seventh and eighth innings, uh, then maybe New Orleans can pull something off here. Yeah, and it's worth noting uh, both German, both uh, Roman and French are lefties as are both Garcia and Casey, so they'll be having the New Orleans has got the handed matchup there, but I still think Boise just just overpowers them with the bats. Yeah. I think at the end of the day. And right now that's what the popular opinion is also, uh, but not quite nearly as strong as the Rockville Mexico City question. Right now the voting is essentially two to one, eight to four eight votes for Boise, four for uh, New Orleans, so they're giving about a two to one odds uh, for in the Spuds camp right now. Uh, definitely be very interesting because if you look at it from a star power standpoint, can Jared Gilstrom manage to pull one more out of his out of his hat or not? Um, or will the French Roman Torada, uh, what uh, Boise's uh, shortstop Yamashita, uh, are kind of yeah. the four horsemen there? Um, uh, definitely have to suggest that Boise probably has has the um, has the edge in this one, but it's going to be interesting to watch it. Um, there, there's there there could be an upset in the mix, so it'll be interesting. So let's go. Worth over. noting, worth noting, Gilstrom was on the Boise team last year that made the playoffs, so he, he is uh, a familiar face for Spud fans. That is true, and Gilstrom is one of those guys who everywhere he goes, the team wins before it's all said and done. So um, This is true. So, you know, inside the OOTP aura of the game, you know, maybe maybe there's some mystical stuff, uh, Gilstrom mystical stuff going on. Uh, let's move on over to the Frick League. Uh, do you want to talk about the Chicago Yellow Springs matchup, or do you want to talk about the Omaha Twin Cities matchup first? Oh, I want to talk about the Heartland matchup. <laughs> well, you're going to have a hard time uh, missing on that one right there, Mr. Pacific. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, let's uh, talk about it, Omaha and Twin Cities here. Um, that works for me. And, and we'll we'll finish up with the Chicago Yellow Springs matchup. Uh, extremely intriguing matchup to me. We've got uh, on the, and it seems like the most intriguing matchup on the public site also because as I'm looking at it, um, the the voting is seven to six. Uh, so clearly it's kind of a toss up there. I think both, um, I want to say Twin Cities was nine and five against Omaha in the regular season 
Um, this is more a matchup, I think, of uh, Twin Cities' offense versus Omaha's pitching when it really comes right down to it, if you look at, at how they swing. Uh, so I'm extremely interested to hear what you have, uh, what your thoughts are on this Twin Cities-Omaha matchup and what some of the factors are that are going on through your mind. Basically, Twin Cities is everything I said about Boise on steroids. They have a better offense. They have a worse pitching staff <laughs> than Boise does. Because, I mean, losing – they do have Chris Kelly, which helps. Um, but he's just coming back off the injury. I know he's pitched reasonably well the last couple of uh, – since he's been back. But losing Zeitler hurt, especially after they extended him. Mm-hmm. And I just, I mean, their pitching was never great to begin with, which is why they went out and got Zeitler from me because he knew he needed pitching. And then the pitching went out, went out and got, got hurt. So I did pick twin cities just because that offense is so damn good. It, it, I mean, in Omaha's pitching is good, but it's not, it's not Rockville. It's not a, it's not a Rockville type. They don't have a shutdown guy. Like they have a couple very good, like Dooley and Lima, and ye are are above average arms. They're arms that I would love to have on my staff, but I don't think they're enough to shut down this Twin Cities offense, which is actually fairly healthy. Also, yes, that is true. I think the um, the Omaha pitching has been uh, riding a fairly hot wave over the last month or two of the season, and Dooley and Lima in particular. Uh, ye, of course, is one of my personal favorites because he came out of the Yellow Springs organization. Um, so that's going to be an interesting, uh, interesting question. But yeah, the, the Twin Cities offense is actually interesting. Compare it to Boise, right? Boise's got their four top um, uh, superstars, and then from a WAR standpoint, they kind of have a big gap. Twin Cities, I agree, has their four guys. Arundondo, in particular, and Wareham is having a spectacular year as an older guy. Um, um, Joe Bradshaw is the breakout catcher that's been talked about quite a bit before. You get down into the next level, though, and you don't necessarily see negative war guys. You see a collection of guys who who can just kind of get the job done. So in that sense, it's like um, Boise's top end are 8 and 7 and 9 war guys, but then their bottom end are zeroses, whereas Twin Cities are more like 6 and 5 war guys with their bottom end can still do damage, so they don't have any holes. Um, no. So, so the and I'm, in fact, I'm looking at their I'm looking at their roster. They don't have a single negative war player on their offense. Yeah, the pressure on the the Omaha pitching staff is intense against uh, a team like this, and I'm not sure Omaha's got the arms uh, necessarily to do it. The Chris Kelly factor is a really interesting one because you're right; he has had some really good outings since he got back, uh, but uh, he's also uh, I mean, Omaha just tagged him for seven runs in the last game that they played against uh, in two or three innings. I can't remember what the number is. So he's been really inconsistent. I'm not sure what Chris Kelly to expect as far as that goes. So I think the, yep. um, if Twin Cities' off, uh, pitching was healthy and and kind of league average, just like they kind of are, uh, then I think you would pick Twin Cities going away. But the the X factor here is... Um, can the Twin Cities offense score enough if the pitching staff collapses? <laughs> um, well, it's worth noting that the Twin Cities, their starting rotation is 
not great, but their bullpen is very good. Mm-hmm. Their bullpen is in its. I think that will help offset, especially when you can drop some of those weaker starters into the bullpen and just soak up some innings there. I think I, I think this is a sweep. I think Twin City sweeps them. There you go. I do. Yeah, I'm not so sure I would I would uh, bank on the sweep, but it certainly is a possibility, um, especially since the uh, first two games will be in Twin City, so they would only have to win one game in Omaha. Uh, that and with a, that an offense in, Oma, in Omaha's park, it's not like it'll be a disadvantage for them offensively. No, definitely not. Uh, ultimately, it actually makes me wonder whether um, Justin might actually decide to hold Dooley or Lima back uh, to have them uh, pitch in in Omaha and take a gamble on stealing a game out of out of a E or Arlano. Um, I don't know whether he's going to go three man or four man. It's going to be a. If I were sitting yeah, in, if I, in Justin's shoes, it would be an extremely interesting strategic moment. So. Yeah, and it's worth. Isn't uh, I don't have the park factors in front of me. Isn't Omaha's park heavily slanted toward right-handed power? Yes, it is. Definitely. That's pretty much all of Twin Cities' offense is right-handed, except for Calderon and Aragon. Right. Wareham, Arredondo. Bradshaw's a switch hitter, but they're all either right-handed or switch hitters. Yep. So they should be just fine in Omaha's park offensively. Yeah, they should definitely be excited about being there. And so that actually makes me question, for example, uh, well, I know, uh, Timo Dooley, right, is the right-handed pitcher with the best movement. Uh, do you pitch him in Twin Cities and try to get the win early? Um, and make it go into game three or four? Um, or do you throw, wait and throw him in game three when his right-handed movement can actually work to potentially combat <laughs> that right-handed power in your home park? It is a... I don't know what the I, right answer I, is, right? I always believe in throwing your top guys early. Just get them, because you never know what's going to happen. Yep. And you can even, in theory, if he goes with a three-man, he can go game one... Because he hasn't pitched since the 26th, so he'll be fresh. Yep. He can go game one, and then he can even come back in game four in Omaha if you get there. Yeah, that's the that's the big question, right? So I think the question isn't whether you throw Dooley in Twin Cities. It's whether you try to go with a three-man and bring him back in game four. Yep. There you go. But it'll be interesting. We'll see. Yep, 100% interesting. Um, it's uh, one of the most intriguing match- matchups, uh, having watched these two teams play all year. I would definitely tend to, ha- I would have to uh, agree with your expectation that Twin Cities is going to win this, uh, but I don't expect it to be a sweep. I think it uh, will go, um, I mean, it's possible to go five games. It really just depends on what happens in the first game or two, obviously, I think. He says, making the most uh, overtly obvious statement that you can make. <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on to Yellow Springs in Chicago. Definitely interested to hear what your thoughts are in this. I'm feeling completely set up. Uh, Yellow Springs was dominating of Chicago throughout the year. Um, and uh, on paper, I think uh, I would have to be pretty excited about our chances. But it is Yellow Springs, and it is October 
And so all of that goes off of the table when I start looking at things. So please bring me a sense of sanity and uh, talk to me about what you're looking at for Yellow Springs in Chicago. Well, we've talked a lot about mediocre and bad pitching staffs. That That's not Yellow Springs. Yellow Springs has a very, very good elite, whatever superlative you want to use, pitching staff. Headlined by a guy who, looking at the early balloting, is probably going to win the Nebraska Award again. And Carlos Valle. So it's going to be awful tough for Chicago, who had to sweep a bottom-feeding Pacific-quality Des Moines team in order to get into the playoffs, which, I mean, full credit to them, they did, and it's been about a decade probably since Chicago's, the franchise has been in the playoffs. Yeah, how long um, is it? Let's see. It's been a minute. I mean, I can, I'm looking it up right now, but it's. Pro, I don't know if they've met it since I've been in the league, and I've been here since 2032. So it, it's probably been over a decade at this point. Yep, their last appearance was 2031. So, first of all, good for Chicago for, you know, snapping that drought and getting back in the playoffs. Um. Amayas Moling, Moling, how are we saying this name? Amayas, that guy, the the good pitcher they have, the good right because they have a good they have a good right handed and a good left handed pitcher. They have Moling and they have Bates. Yep. Which Bates with that movement will? I mean, look. Unfortunately, the heavy movement is somewhat negated by the fact that you don't rely on homers anyway. Like if he was facing a team like. Omaha or even Twin Cities that rely more on the big homer, especially Omaha with the, with their power. I think that would be he would be more of an X factor. I mean, he's still it's going to be tough for you to beat him, but I I think you can probably grind out a couple of three to one, four to two wins and probably take this series in four games. There you go. Happy to. Hear. I'd like to hear your thought. I'd like to hear your <laughs> thoughts on your own on your own team though. Um, in your own matchup. I'm, so I'm not letting you off that easy. No, I, I appreciate that. Um, I'm angsty because we're hurt, right? This last month and a half of the season, we have we lost Rex Foster in left field. We lost uh, Roberto Viramontes at second base. I've been triaging. Um, I've been excited about, uh, but triaging, moving um, Dong Po Thumb to play second base because he is now the uh better option at second base if he were completely trained, um, but he's not trained um, and has been picking October's a bad time to train somebody. <laughs> October's a bad time to train somebody, but he's actually picked up from zero to five in about eight games <laughs> uh, from a rating standpoint. So he's learning very rapidly. We're going to go ahead and play him at second base as much as we can and see how that, um, how that pans out. So he is going to play second for you at he this is, point? He is going to play second base for me at this point. I think that is our uh, – since he made it up to a five, uh, he's awfully close to where either McGuire or, um, um, or Tyler, Tyler would, would be. And we're going to kind of knock on wood and hope that he finds six and seven in the next three or five games um, if we can make it. The Chicago I mean, offense, you can – you can play Lucas McNeil at second base. Oh wait, no, don't yeah. don't do that. He's played a few don't times at that. second base. If I absolutely have to ha- have to do that for his left-handed <laughs> bat, but no, we won't we won't do that. 
that won't be necessary. Uh, <laughs> I think Chicago's offense is all about Rocky Watson and Hal Hang. Um, and yeah. at the end of the day, if we can keep um, our, our right-handed pitching is and Simpson too good. Simpson getting that. Although at this point, Simpson's pretty much an OBP guy, and the power is still there a little bit, but not. Not a ton. Yeah, I mean, obviously they've got some hitters who can beat you in the moment, but if you're looking at an overall big picture, Rocky Watson and Hal Hang or something like 11 war between the two of them. And, and so yeah. I think if you can stop those two, you can probably stop Chicago. Uh, that will be the uh, that will be the uh, the big question. Most uh, Valle has actually been a pretty good postseason pitcher. Um, I'm going to probably still go with a four-man rotation. Uh, Ramirez has also been was also good in the postseason last year, but in a relief role. So we're going to end up seeing what happens there. Um, if I can be snarky, didn't Valle completely blow up in the Landis last year? He and not the good the, blow up. Yes, he blew up in the Landis, <laughs> uh, but that is that has not been the that has not been the rule. That has been the exception of the rule. That is that is like the Yellow Springs curse showing up in full force. Right. Uh, same thing happened. And he also, and also, that was a three man. I, if you go with a four man, I wonder if that will mitigate some of those issues that he had. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering about that a little bit. Um, we had a similar situation back in the early 30s with Lelouch in one of those Jacksonville um, series. We got Lelouch in a game seven, and, and he ended up struggling for a game six. I can't remember which it was. Um, so, you know, Yellow Springs is used to, I, I am completely used to something weird going wrong and causing lots of problems. So, um, I Yeah, am, but not usually in the Gahagan, in all fairness. Not you usually, don't, you usually get through, yeah. uh, We have actually made it uh, through the Gahagan several times, but we've been bounced out of the Gahagan a few times, too, so it's not completely... True. <laughs> True, and you also, us, you also usually just get to skip the Gahagan. Yeah, usually we get to skip the Gahagan, and actually we got, um, we lost, um, I think we actually got swept. No, I don't think we got swept. Um, last time we were in the Gahagan and lost was to Omaha, uh, 82 win team, <laughs> when we had a pretty solid, uh, looking at my records, we were 98 and 64 that year, and, and the 82 win Omaha team took us out three games to one, so... Uh, losing to Chicago is not out of realm for us. It is certainly a possibility, and it's among the reasons why I always target trying to win the division. I just do not want to play in the Gahagan. It is too dangerous. <laughs> yeah, and that's uh, – I'm pulling it up now, but you – 106 wins might be the most for a non-division winner ever. Yeah, that is certainly – Maybe? That is possible. I think that – that Charm City team from their last good team uh, that I think they had to play game 163, they were also a uh, 106 or 100 and something win team. But, yeah, 106, you don't see that in the Gahagan round too often, a team that wins 106 games. That is true. You know, if I were if I were forced to make a bet with real money, I would have to bet, for yellow, bet on Yellow Springs, but... Um, having been snake bit so often, I am extremely reluctant to uh, <laughs> to get too Which big is about this at this point. <laughs> perfectly understandable, but I think, like I said, I think that is a fairly safe. And yes, only three teams, including yourself, have ever won 106 games. 
and not won the division, and nobody has won more. And of those other two teams, it's worth noting they both were under 100 Pythagorean wins. So they dramatically overperformed, whereas you, I believe, actually underperformed or were right about at it. So Yeah. And the public board is uh, pretty clear that Yellow Springs is the definitive favorite in this one. So at the end of the day, it would uh, it would be a shock if we do not beat Chicago. But we have been shocked before, so... Um, Yellow Springs fans are already setting up the wake, you know. Yeah, so my prediction, just for the record, I have Yellow Springs in four, Twin Cities in three, Boise in four, and uh, who was the first series that I said would go five that I was, like, opposite everybody else? Uh, Mexico City uh, in five. Mexico City in five. There we go. So there we have it, the uh, the entire Gehagen round, uh, critiqued and handicapped by Randy Wiegand. And uh, so now all, now all we have to do is lace them up and show up and play the games, and we'll see what happens. It's going well, to be a fun one. Well, you, well, you get to lace them up and go play the games. Some of us get to go lace them up and hit the golf course, using proper social distancing, of course, because even in 2042, COVID is still a thing. <laughs> That's the thing. No vaccine for you. <laughs> no. Alrighty. Well, thank you for spending your time with me here today, Randy. And uh, we'll uh, look forward to see what happens through the rest of the playoffs. Always a pleasure, Mr. Collins. Alrighty. Have a great day. You too. You've been listening to the BBA Today, a podcast that covers the Brewster Baseball Association every day. Music is Bold Statement, available at fesleyandstudios.com and used with attribution. Be safe and well, and we will hear you again tomorrow.